Hello and welcome to the Pete Barter Podcast, where you will join Pete in interviewing top-level thought leaders in education, music, and business, as well as a sneak peek into Pete's thoughts and challenges. This episode is all about students, whether they're adults or young, they don't actually know what they need to know yet. They don't know what they don't know. So they don't know what they need to know. So it's up to the teacher. It's a responsibility of the teacher, a paid responsibility, because we're providing a service. It's up to us to know how to teach the way they will learn. Whatever you are doing right now, keep on doing it and enjoy this episode of the Pete Barter Podcast. Welcome to another G4 Guitar Teacher Business uh, discussion hangout today. What we've, uh, I've got a very special guest, Pete Barter, who's from South Australia, uh, Adelaide, South Australia. Um, Pete has an amazing background. He's been in the industry for decades. Uh, he, he's one of the uh, a handful of people that, that I know who are real veterans in in you know music and education in Australia and so uh, I'm very excited to to have him here for a little while and to try and pick his brain and uh, learn as much as we can about Pete. Um, so what I'm going to do Pete is is I will let you introduce yourself in just a second but the, the, I just want to use I, the normal thing that I do is I sum people up in three words and from from what I can see on yours uh, you've come up with drummer, systemizer and producer. Um, so what I'll start off with is getting you to explain a little bit about what they mean. What, we know what a drummer is, but what's a systemizer? What does a systemizer do? Well, I'm on Facebook Live right now, so I'm systematically sharing your live podcast with all of my fans and followers on, on my Facebook. So say hi to my fans. Hey, hi. Hi to the, 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 the Pete Barter <laughs> team. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, interesting. First, thank, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's great. I'm not going to keep this live for the whole time, but... Martin Hazy, welcome aboard, Martin. Martin's the Lord Mayor of Adelaide. He's watching right now. So a systemizer, that is someone, that is something that someone called me the other day because I tend to create processes for a lot of things that if I'm doing something and I know that that thing is going to happen more than once, then I will create a process to allow that to obviously take um uh, take control the process ends up taking control instead of the franticness so if we do the same thing a million times and it's it's repetitive there's yep. systems there's pro programs there's apps that can create a streamlined effect a streamlined approach to anything that you could possibly imagine um so i, I kind of adopted that the systemizer like the terminator but i'm not killing anybody i'm helping them out <laughs> great <laughs> Excellent. Well, it, it, I like the term because yeah, it, it sums up really what business is about. And anyone who uh, and you know, we're going to get into this side of you because I, I would probably say you're a bit of a techie too because you're involved with software. Um, so, so that that in itself, software, as you know, if you work with software, you work. It's it's all about systemizing things. The whole idea of of any technology or any software is to make things easier, um, and that's really what a system is. Yeah. Nice. Cool. I'm just going to say bye to my guys here because they can't actually hear you. They can only hear me. So uh, I will share this podcast when it's done with the people that are viewing this. So because you can't hear him because I have headphones in. So um, yeah, we've it's it's totally true. And there's so many. I get frustrated with anybody that gets frustrated with doing mundane tasks over and over again. 
I'm like, well, there are certain levels of a mundane data entry that needs to happen. But if it's, if it's a bulk of your day doing mundane stuff, then there is ways to systemize it. Like freaking receipts, you know, we're all running businesses and we all have receipts that come in via email or, you know, we put petrol in the car and we get the little piece of paper thing and we have to somehow reconcile that in our bookkeeping shenanigans. And, you know, there's a, there's, I'm not getting paid to mention any of these names except for the one that I'll mention later, but um, with, with Receipt Bank, I don't know if you've heard of that. So Receipt Bank is literally an online sorting system. It's, I don't know who does it, uh, computer generated, a whole, you know, team of people somewhere. But I literally have a tray over here that I, I come in from a day or a month and I've just got my car full of receipts and I put all my receipts in this tray. At one point during the week or the month, I will scan them all in. Actually, don't scan them in anymore. Um, they've got an app. So I take a photo of the receipt. It goes yep. into Receipt Bank. It is then categorized by fuel, um, entertainment, whatever. So I don't actually have to go and do all that stuff manually. It's just sorted. And, and, and as a musician, and you're probably aware and you work with a lot of musicians as well, that paperwork is definitely not our strong point. Strong point. It's, no. uh, it's, it's kind of the, it ends up killing a lot of careers. And I see a lot of people, and honestly, as true as I'm sitting here now, I see a lot of musicians that go into teaching with the hopes and dreams and ambitions of creating a big teaching business potentially. But then it just, it's hard for them to manage because they're like a paper-based thing and they're getting paid cash money and it, it just yeah. gets really, really tricky. So I, I, I totally do see it's hard, hard to grow, right? If they don't have the systems and there's a point where they just think, I don't want any more work because it, it just creates more yeah. admin. The more students you have, the more admin you end up with. So, yeah. It's got to be scalable um, unless you don't want it to grow. And if you're happy with your 10 students a week and you've got a, you do it on the side then, and you've got another day job that you go to, that's okay. Have a day job. There's no problems with having a day job and teaching on the side. But if you whinge about the day job, then the opportunity is there in front of you. It's your side project. It's yep. your teaching for a few hours on a weekend. And if that's what you really love to do, then freaking do that. No, it's, it's your, the world is your oyster and you're in the perfect situation, Dave, because you're supplying a, a platform for people to, to connect into so they can actually love what they do instead of being bogged down by the, the crappy paperwork and stuff that we have. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the bulk of what I do is create systems behind the scenes to make it easier for the teachers to focus on what they want to do Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, what, what I'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll jump a little bit more into that in a minute because um, I, I want to try and get a little bit of your history because what I'd like to start off is just give people a bit of a background of who you are and where you've come from. Um, yeah. So Perfect. We, just a couple of very quick questions. You don't have to go into great detail, but um, where, when did you first start learning music? How old were you? Um, officially started getting lessons when I was 11 years old from a, from, from a, a professional teacher who... At that point, and that was drums. Was that drums? To, yep, that, that was drums. Yep. Um, I don't think he had another job. Actually, he did. He did have another job. So he was teaching on the side, and 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 he was a great, still is a great inspiration for me. And I went to him for about five to six years consistently, an hour a week, 
My parents would drive me out to his place. My dad would sleep in the car. I'd go in and have my lesson in his backyard, in his shed, you know, step over the dog and walk past the drunk Irish dad on the way in. And, you know, <laughs> it's just part of the, part of the learning that I, I observed. Um, so, yeah, I was 11 when I started learning drums officially, but I definitely had a drum kit before then. I was, I was just hitting stuff. Yep, yep. And, and why did you decide to learn? What inspired you in the very beginning? Well, my dad's played music um, a little bit. He played, he's always had something in the house, like a, 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 he had a digital saxophone for a little while, which was interesting to hear. Uh, he played guitar, he played bass, never really had drums. And he always took me to gigs. Uh, one day he brought me home a, um, a really cheap, crappy garage sale kind of abandoned derelict drum kit or it wasn't even, wouldn't even be a kit. It was just some pieces of a drum kit. My dad loves his op yep. shops and you know, Hong Kong hardware kind of stuff. So he brought me home this thing and I was mesmerized. This thing got kind of set up in my room and it was just great. And he actually brought it home for me. I remember the day it was a Friday night. He bought it home. No, sorry. It was a Saturday. It was a Saturday night. He bought it home for me. And then we were going to get ready to go out to Speedway Park because my dad was fairly heavily involved in Speedway racing and, and at that point, I went, nah, Dad, I'm not coming out tonight. I'm going to stay here and, and, and play the drums. And I sat in my room and I just made up whatever I could possibly think of at that point being or seven years old, I think I was. Um, and I just hit the thing and, and tried to make as much music, whatever a yep. seven-year-old does at that point, at that time. And uh, I think it got to the point where I bought another drum kit. I saved, up my, saved my ass off and bought my own first professional drum kit which was a, a $500 music store special kind of thing and, and yeah. that went to the bedroom and then my mum and dad rearranged well my mum rearranged the shed for my dad when he didn't know about it and put me out in the shed and we got carpet and the egg cartons and all the the standard issue young kid garage band type stuff yeah uh, and then it kind of progressed from there and um no I started back. getting lessons at one point there yeah, isn't man and, and someone's Someone said to me the other day, he said, you're still playing drums? I'm like, well, I'm still breathing. And it's, it's not something that I, I could ever see myself not doing at all. It's yeah. and like a sportsman, not like a sportsman, where they get to a certain age and they've got to do something other than play the sport. They can, they can commentate they play the sport. Golf they can, instead, right? They go from playing exactly, rugby, rugby to, to golf or AFL to golf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So as long as I've got my arms and my legs and, and I'm breathing, I'll always be doing something on a drum kit. Right, yep, yep. So drummers don't retire to playing recorder or something like that. I've got a ukulele and I've got a trumpet. So you ukulele. never know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I, I, I relate because I started on drums as well. As a very young teen, I right. started, I think it was a kind of, the drum kit was called a Maxim or something like that. I can't even remember the exact name of it, but it was, it was Max something. Max own? Um, Max type. Yeah, probably something like that. And it was very cheap, very nasty, um, mm -hmm. but it was... To me, it was great. I loved it. It was. It, it got me yeah. started. So, what what about uh, your lesson experience? What did you find? Because what, what I want to try and uh, because you know we've got a lot of teachers that listen to this and and want to be teachers. What are just a couple of tips that you would give from your experience as a student that you picked up from your own teachers? Is anything that you can sort of share that was inspirational? I think for me, I always like to pick up more than what they're putting down. So if he's showing me how to play a certain thing, 
I'm taking on, this is me personally, maybe my brain's wired differently to everyone else, but I take on how he's teaching this to me, not just what he's teaching to me. And I do that with everything. I, you know, you and I, I'm guessing you do, but I definitely go to a lot of workshops and seminars and spend a lot of money on my own personal development, whether it be business or, or finance or, or anything like that. And, and not only do I get the information that they're sharing, I get the way they're sharing it. So, and but I, I've been to so many seminars, it's just ridiculous. The amount of money that we spend on, on that kind of development is, is, I think it's important and crucial for my my. Well, it's an investment, life. isn't it? It's an investment. It, it, yes, sir, absolutely. And, and I've seen some that are just ridiculous and they're pathetic and you spend a lot of money and you go to it, but not once have I ever left thinking I got nothing from it. Yeah, I, I, I get to a point where I can, I don't know about your demographic and how old they are, but I might, I might curse a little bit as we get a bit passionate, but I could go into a seminar and I can see a guy taking a piss against a lectern and I can still get something from that. Like, you know, there's so much in the way the chairs are set up and, and I've, I've done a whole heap of courses on, on just how to present to a, a small group and then there's so much, but I, yeah, when I go to a teacher, I don't just learn what they're teaching, I learn how they teach. And, yep. and that's made part of my business model is it's not just what you teach, it's the way you teach it. That's, yep. that's, well, musicians can relate to that. It's not just, you know, it's not just playing the notes that, you know, off a score. Mm. It's, it's how you play them. It's the feel mm. you play. You know, you, you take someone like a Stevie Ray Vaughan, yeah. uh, you know, you yeah. can play exactly what he's playing, but to have the feel that he, he projected, it's a very yep. different ballgame. Yeah, I totally agree. It's not just what you play, it's how you play. Yeah. Well, there's a big backstory on my history and I've got a podcast as well. If you went to PeteBarter.com, you'd see the podcast link, episode one. So it's PeteBarter.com. Can you spell that out? P-E-T-E-B-A-R-T-E-R.com. Dot C-O-N. And, yeah, if you go there, you'll see some stuff. Podcast, episode number one, is literally me giving a... Uh, a brief on why I'm doing a podcast at all because some people just do podcasts for the sake of doing it and they disappear. Um, I've, I've kept it going. I've got like 50 episodes now and uh, yep. they're exciting. I speak to a lot of good musicians, a lot of good music teachers. Um, you and I have got to do one. Um, I've spoken with um, business tycoons at all different levels. So it's about music, the education and the business in all their separate facets and all of their interweaving fast so it's not just music and it's not just music yep. uh, so yep. it's not just business it's music business and yeah so you're, you're very you're very connected in the in the industry uh, i noticed a lot of the you know if anyone visits your website they'll see photos of you with you know people like mark Sherman from the pink drummer um and and, and it looks like you know the way he's endorsing yep. you that you guys are not just a casual meeting where you know you get to a kind of a paul gilbert uh, you know seminar or something a clinic Mark's and say great. hey can you get a, Mark, can I get a picture Mark, yeah, yeah. yeah this is someone who Mark you is, actually are friends with yeah yeah Mark is amazing I've got a podcast with him on Tuesday uh, we've spoken heaps in the past um, I met Mark he did a clinic here in Adelaide in 2007 maybe maybe earlier than that uh, and I just got chatting with him I worked for the organization that put him on and we just got chatting and there was definitely some sparks that flew and and we've since put him on uh, personally and privately through corporate training. He does amazing keynotes and he's just such a, an inspiring dude. And that's the sort of people that I want to create. If someone could be a piece of Mark, that would be amazing because he's just, yep. 
he, he's lovely, he's giving, he's, he's knowledgeable, he's done the hard yards, he's been hit with, hit with reject, uh, he's, you know, he's, he's overcome a lot of adversity in his personal and professional life and he shares the way he overcome. He's got a book out called, um, uh, it's called uh, Nerve Breakers. It's all about how to get over those nerves when you're on stage and he actually holds a record for playing in front of the most amount of people as a drummer. Right. Over a billion people in his life because play, he's played on all the sellout shows. Because he goes back to the like the seventies, is it late seventies? Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. He's um, I want to know what love is by uh, Simple Minds. You know that he yeah. was in the Simple Minds. He's he's been with Cher, all of the sellout tours, all the Pinks. Um, you know, so he holds records for playing in front of the most amount of people. And the thing that he sells when he goes to his conferences is what what can you have in common with the world's leading performers? And that one thing in common is Mark Shulman. And Mark is just, you know, I can't talk about him enough. You know, he's, he's definitely a brother and we chat quite a bit about all sorts of different topics. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah he's great. So, so yeah, you're right. I, I like to be connected and it's, it's taken a long time to build the cred and to get the connections. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like all of a sudden we've, we've got a lot of people on our thing, on our, on our Facebook, and we have some good followers. You know, this platform, Sammy, that we're building, he's endorsing that. We've got a lot of other people up in that world that are, that are really keen to to be involved in it and in involved in what I do outside of that, which is education and training and and workshops for students and parents. Because how, how to be how to be one of the workshops was actually sorry to cut you off. One of the workshops yeah. was really worked extremely well, which was just blew, blew my mind. Was how to be a successful parent of a student. We had a student workshop where the parents would come along. And the parents were part of a separate workshop delivered by a separate person to myself on how to encourage and manage your young wannabe superstar. Because they're all paying money. They want the best for their children. And some parents just suck at giving the harsh advice and giving the good pat on the head. They just yes. talk their children out of yes. becoming good musicians. And that shits me to tears because they want to help, but they just don't manage the relationship correctly. Well, it's a, so we just sort of gave him a bit of a thing. A, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like being a drummer or being a guitarist. There's a, there's a skill to, uh, you know, what I would call effective parenting or positive parenting. Um, and it, and yep. uh, one of the things that, that I often talk about is that music teachers like yourself, like, like me and, and, you know, thousands and millions of others out there, uh, is that we are in one of the most unique privileged positions possible. Because even if you take a school teacher, a school teacher works with lots of kids, but they don't work with the parents. They don't. They only see the parents on on parent teacher nights. Right? We see the parents. And we're engaging all the time, and plus we have this this added disadvantage of we get the student only for a short time each week. So we've got to kind of leverage the parent, uh, and yeah. and so it's a big it's a big thing. To, uh, totally. You know, our relationships with with parents is and, and so we get to observe. Yeah. Yeah, and also the parents can leverage us for their home things as well. Like I've had a number of parents saying, look, he's not doing too well with the school, trying to help me figure that out. And, and I, well, I was teaching at the school, so I could have a chat with the teacher and, and sort of like help them with some math through the drum kit and learning that way. So they're actually learning a skill while they're learning a passion. Yeah. Uh, and that's the best way to learn. So, so on, on other that thing topic, that I, sorry, just, just, yeah. well, just before we change topics, what what kind of tips do you give parents? What are some of the things that you would say to a parent? 
don't force them practice a certain amount of time each freaking week. Like the, some of the parents are really systemized and these are usually the architects or the, you know, the mathematicians or the accountant parents that are really systematic and they need to see the process. Um, so we deal with four different types of personalities with the students and also with the parents. So understanding those four types of personalities, uh, which I'm a, my, my partner, Michelle, is a practitioner in what's called HBDI, a whole brain learning. Um, and so working with the parents, if, if the parent is trying to structure some kind of practice routine for the student and the student is not a structured kind of student, their own child is not going to relate well to the practice and it becomes my fault because they're not teaching. The parents deem it my fault, sorry, because they're not learning. The parents are, are harsh on me. I'm like, but hang on, I'm teaching to, teaching to little Johnny's personality. You have to parent to his personality as well. And what do you mean by that? I'm like, let me give you some information. I'll send you some stuff. It's a program that we run. All my educators have done it. My parents have done it. Students have done it, the older students. So, so they understand what the main four personality types are. And they obviously interweave. There's not definite, defined of, of each of the four quadrants. But if you've got someone that's extremely processed as a student, they won't want to know about your weekend. They will come in with everything in order. They'll have their notes are all perfectly placed and the drumsticks are clipped in with a bull clip. And you get students that are red brain focused and they're all like off with the fairies and they're amazing on stage and they're really creative and they come in with one half fucking broken drumstick and, and they're still ready to rock and they love it and they spend 20 minutes telling you about how awesome the gig was that they went to on the weekend. And If you cut them off and go back to the teaching, they're not going to respond well to anything you say. Not that you let them ramble on for 20 minutes in a lesson. You've got to kind of weave them back onto track, but keep that excitement. And that's yep. something important that the advice I would give to a parent of a student that is watching, if the teacher is a professional teacher, in fact, music is still not a profession like a thing, but if we're a serious and we're a passionate and we understand how lessons should be given, then trust that the educator knows the personality style which to teach to. I change my personality like a chameleon depending on the student that walks in the room until we start to have a few weeks or months beneath our belt so we can understand each other a lot more. Yep, right. Excellent, excellent. So, I mean, you could probably take that one step further too where, you know, when I talk to teachers about uh, finding the students or uh, making it clear your style of teaching because if we look at the different parameters, we look at the student has a style of learning, the parent has a style of parenting, and the teacher has a style of teaching, uh, you know, that's where occasionally the stars line up and yeah. you, you the student is just amazing because they love your style of teaching, they're your style of student, and um, yeah. the parent is, is is in the right way. So I think, yeah, getting those yeah. lined up is, is, is always a challenge, but um, I think it's also yeah. important for the teacher to, to be true to their yeah. style of teaching as well. That way, you know, the students who don't click with you yes. will go and find someone else, which is which is a good thing for them and good thing for you. And you will then get re referenced. Totally. Uh, you know, people will say you got to go and get see Pete because he's the best blah blah blah. You know, I've ever found, and that's because you teach in a particular style that they love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the the forgotten arts of teaching is we have to learn to teach the way the student learns. Yeah. Um, and I know that children and, or students, whether they're adults or young, they don't actually know what they need to know yet. They don't know what they don't know. So they don't know what they need to know. So 
it's up to the teacher. It's a responsibility of the teacher, a paid responsibility, because we're providing a service. It's up to us to know how to teach the way they will learn. Yeah. So, so how, how do you copy how do you, process? Yeah. How do you identify students in particular? Because you said there's quadrants there. How do, how do you are there certain traits or things that you yeah. look for in let those me, students? Let me. Let me, let me, yeah, there is. Um, I've got a diagram, yeah, somewhere it's of my personal profile. I don't know where it is. I just sort of cleaned up the office and it's disappeared. Here it is. Uh, is this mine? Uh, I don't know if this is mine or not. So, look, well, I'll give you a bit of context. The whole brain model that's written down the bottom there, I'll get rid of that. It's called Herman HBDI. It's a pretty serious piece of kit, this. Um, it's used in a lot of top-end corporate. There's about five versions of a similar model. You might have heard of Facet 5 or Myers-Briggs. Similar processes, but this is yep. definitely the, the most expensive, and it's the most expensive for a reason. Uh, it's the first one that came out. The rest are all pieces of this puzzle. So if you can see that top section there, there's four quadrants. I relate well mostly to the red and yellow. Can you read out the red words for me? Can you see them? Yeah, interpersonal, feeling-based. When I talk, it pops away. So hang on a second. I'll just click on it again. Uh, kinesthetic and emotional. Five, the one. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, th that's me, right? If you read out the blue one. Yeah, logical, analytical, fact-based, quant quantitative. Yep, quantitative. That's, yep. Hard. that's hard for me. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to analyze a whole heap of stuff. I'm not going to need the full facts or the figures. So if the student is asking me questions that are very much, so why do I do this? How do I do this? Um, they're, and, they're, and they're asking questions like, um, so what time do our lessons finish? Is there a structure? I'm going to know that they're in the, green, the blue or the green quadrant. Yeah. The reason that I have this green bear is because when I did this profile, I lacked in the green so much that they send you out a bear. Um, and this tells me that uh, you'll always be organized with Herman the green bear by your side. Herman loves to put things in order and all the details will be taken care of in a timely way. You will often hear Herman say, we need to play by the rules. Now that you have Herman the green bear, why not also adopt Herman the blue, the red and the green, uh, the uh, the yellow. So this is this is me. This is my weak point. So this is my little bear to remind me that I do need to do some processy type stuff. I was yep. 15 minutes late to this podcast because I was too busy yakking away with my student and I wasn't following the clock. So this helps me. So yeah, that, so that is a really good way for your viewers, listeners, people that follow your business model is to figure out. I would definitely recommend it. There is a free version of this test online. It's not very inclusive. Yeah. Or if you just want to go to Myers Briggs or Facet Five, it's it's a you got to understand your own personal thinking style, and this gives you so much information. It's such an amazing thing. It's about problem solving, how to communicate, how to how to communicate with someone of the opposite quadrant. So 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 let's let's just take one little part of that because this is great. I, I really really enjoying this. So let's say that you've got a student who is in that kind of they're late. They're always late. They never turn up on time. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much you try and 
get yeah. them into the blue quadrant, they're never going to get there. What, what do you do? Well, I'll go, is it the student that's driving or is it the parent that's driving them? <laughs> because for me, most of my students aren't of driving age. So it's like the student could be on time, but the parent's driving the car and they're off with the ferries. Yeah, which stresses yeah. a student out. When they come in, so an exact example. Just, 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 say, just say that it, it's a combination <laughs> by the way that student keeps turning All right. away. So because right. I, I know this is something that, teachers will be interested in so it'll be good to hear how yeah you... so if the, student, if the student's turning up late then uh, let's just say it's an it's a student that finds their own way there all right yeah. so that, that makes it easier so they're they're an adult they're a teenager they're on the bus um they're not driving so obviously they need to schedule the bus timetables correctly if they're always rocking up late i'd be like do you need me to change your lesson time? Is later better for you? And well, they might be later for another later lesson. I don't think there's one fit. I think I'm not trying to skip the, the question. If a student was rocking up late to me all the time, yep. I'd be just, hey man, does this lesson suit you? Because we have to stop at the same time, regardless of what time you get here, because other lessons are on time after you. Um, and I, I can't go into their lesson because they you end up going into theirs and then they end up going into the next one. So, you know, this doesn't, can't happen. Yeah. It's an interesting topic because, uh, you know, when, when I talk to teachers about this, I, I'll say that you could take that same person and when they have to catch a plane, they're never late. Right? They're yeah. never late if there's a price to pay. Uh, but if there's no price to pay, mm. then they'll be late. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and I love this kind of what we're talking about. Here is, here is, here is, but it, there's a lot here is of something. Yeah. Sorry, there's, there's, I was here, just going to say there's a lot of environmental actually, factors as well. So, yeah, sorry, you go. On. Cool. Yeah. I, I love it how we keep cutting each other off. It's fucking awesome. We're excited. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this has actually happened a number of times. I've had students, parents, or students call me from the back of the parents' car and say, I'm going to be five or 10 minutes late. And they call me like two minutes before the lesson. I'm like, that's cool. Let's start now. They're like, what do you mean? I said, let's start now. You got your drumsticks. I can hear you tapping. Let's start. Let's let's play something that I can hear the dynamics. So we're going to play groups of five. And we're going to we're going to hit the accent on the one. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four. So let's start that lesson. They've got five minutes. It still happens. Um, and I've got lessons that still people just don't rock up. Sometimes it's just how it is. They don't contact you. It's not their fault. They're young students. The parents forget. Whatever. There's so many reasons. And when you teach you know, 50 kids a week, there's always one or two that don't rock up without letting you know. So what I do these days is they all follow me on Periscope or Snapchat um, or Instagram or, or whatever, uh, but particularly Periscope because that seems to get the most amount of organic outside of my teaching traction. And I would literally get my phone and I would go live. Because they follow me on Periscope, they would get a little notification that goes, whistles when I'm live. And when I'm live on Periscope, it's always drum related. So the people that follow me, it's our students primarily. Yep. Um, so I, if they don't rock up, for little Johnny's lessons at five o'clock, it's two minutes past five, he's clearly not rocking up. I will do a live lesson for 15 minutes for little Johnny from my phone. And if he's anywhere near his parents or he has his own phone, he still gets the lesson because he's already paid me. I feel horrible when they don't rock up to, you know, some people like stiff shit. He's already paid. That's his bad luck, but it might not be his bad luck. He probably wanted the lesson. Parents forgot something happened. Car broke down. So, you know, I start the periscope with something like, 
hey man, hope everything's okay. You're scheduled for your lesson. You haven't let me know you're not coming. Maybe you did. I haven't heard about it, but I'm still going to give you 15 minutes of that lesson right now. Let's go through the process of what we talked about last week and some little things to think about. And for anyone else that jumps on board, give me your feedback. Let me know how I can add value to what you're trying to learn or any tips that you can give me to help me teach this process quicker, more effectively. The last, the last 30 minute video that I did on Periscope got over 2000 views within that 30 minute process, that 30 minute time frame. Fantastic. And out of that, five people were in Adelaide. Out of that five, two of them become students. Yep. Others so, would become so, so you're, you're really leveraging. You, 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 yeah, you're making the most of the opportunity, which is great. And there's a, a you know, right there, anyone who's listening to this, I think there's a huge bit of tip there, and, and that is to leverage social media, uh, you know, to wherever you can, um, as much as you can. Yeah, that's uh, part know, of my are, process. And yeah. I'm putting that process, I've systemized that. That systemizing of that exact process is part of what the SAMI model is going to be offering as well. So when yep. the student doesn't rock up, Sammy's going to say, we'll talk about that in a minute, that Sammy's going to say, hey, little Johnny hasn't rocked up. Um, he hasn't notified. He's still paying. Do you want to still give him a five, ten lesson? And you just push yes on the phone. You video the thing. It goes directly to little Johnny. After he's watched it, you get notified. Um, you know, so it's still part of his learning process. And if you're doing five to ten videos a week of people that don't rock up, you're going to pretty quickly create a whole series of small five, two-minute, five-minute videos yep. that you could use for, for later on, resell or whatever, you know. Well, I, I think if you can take a lot of, like this conversation, we could have easily, we have had conversation before, uh, this could easily have been just a private conversation where we sort of shared, you know, what we were doing and, and, and yeah. ideas because that's how we are. Uh, mm -hmm. But by taking this conversation public, we're now going to reach, uh, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of other people uh, who are interested in this, yeah, so. Millions, millions yeah. of people. How many people yeah. are on the planet? Well, it's just the potential. Yeah, the potential is massive. Now. How many people on the planet? Seven billion, yeah. Okay, give me a moment. My web search turns something up for how many people on the planet. Have a look. No, tell me to have a look. That's hard. 7.5 billion people on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people, you know, and there's a billion people. How many people use Facebook? It's like... Well, yeah, it's well over a billion. It's probably one point five billion by now, I'd say, at a guess. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, there's, there's enough room region. out there for everybody to just powerhouse and and have a concept, have a passion, and like for example, zero, right? The the um, accounting software. We're pretty pretty heavily involved in some of that development, and a couple of our team guys have been with it since it was built. That's yep. only just reached a million people. Yep. Well, well, uh, this is a great topic because. I think a lot of guitar teachers, they come from this conditioning where they live in a suburb, there's mm. a couple of other teachers in that area, they feel like there's a limited number of students, so they're kind of competing with each other, so they don't talk to each other, they yeah. draw, you know, little, almost build barriers and fences around them, it's almost like ancient Europe where they build forts and castles yeah. to kick themselves yeah. out. The worst part is they compete on price, like he's doing they, it for 25, I'll do it for 20, like fuck off, and it, <laughs> it doesn't work. It's just terrible, and they're competing with for the same audience as well. Yeah. When there's a massive audience out there that nobody's competing for, that they're not even trying to to capture, which is what you were doing with the the Periscope, 
who, who else, how many teachers are doing that? I've never heard of anyone doing it. Um, you know, and you, you're doing it, and that's and, yeah, it's fantastic. I'm, so I'm so you're, you're going after students that other people aren't probably chasing. The rest of them are trying to advertise in the same places, appealing to the same yeah. students. Sorry, yeah, I'll let you go on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's look, man. It's the world is huge. There's so many people, and if I've got two thousand people watching a half-hour thing of me, they don't know who I am. They can hang up. They can spit abuse. I don't care. I'm just doing what I do. I stay in my lane. I teach how I teach. I talk how I talk. And if they want to connect, then they connect. If they don't, then they don't watch again. I really don't care. I really, really don't. I would love it if I had, you know, if every one of those two thousand people loved me. And I did a periscope every week. I would be pretty popular, but I don't really want that. I'm like, I'm totally, 100% happy with doing a thing. Two thousand people watch it. Three people become lessons. Yeah. Five others have contacted me otherwise through Skype, and we're having random conversations about how can they do stuff about sharing their business. I'm, I'm in a spot right now. I'm having a conversation with a guy. Who who's extremely talented, not in the music space, but extremely talented in computer software. Um, so computer graphic design, mate, extremely talented. Like you would not believe this guy. He's twenty five years old, whinging and carrying on that he cannot get a break. Um, and he's been whinging and carrying on for three to five years about not being able to get a break. And when he gets depressed, he just sits and watches TV. And I'm like, there's so many other things that you could be doing to really, and I see it all the time. Like, there's musicians, we're our best, worst enemy. We, we go, oh, man, you know, I'm not getting the gigs, or I'm not, I'm not, well, I don't know, not about you, but when I'm not getting the gigs, yeah. I'll go, why aren't I getting the records? What's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, you know, and do the work. And, and there's, I've had conversations with music, musicians before, and I've, I kind of get them just as they pull off stage and I'm, I have a chat to them, small little pub scene, you know, 100 people. And I love to go and chat to them as soon as they come off stage. Not for any other reason, just to say, just to be the first guy to say, man, that was really, really cool. I got a lot from that. That's a really great way you did that. And actually be involved in, still be involved in that egotistical moment that happens when they're on stage. And let's face it, there is some level of that when you're on stage. So if yeah. I'm the first person to speak to them, I still I feel like I'm, I'm getting part of that process unless they switch as soon as they step off stage, which is unlikely. And I ask questions like, so where can I get a CD? Um, and I don't do this in a deceitful way. I just ask questions and that's kind of how businesses are built and, and, and relationships are built, yep. relationships before businesses. And I ask questions like, so where can I get a CD? And they're like, oh, I've got them over here. I don't have any with me. Can I grab them online? Oh, I don't have them online. I'll have to get one to you. What's your address? Well, they don't really go down that road. They're like, oh, I didn't bring any today. I'm like, well, I want to buy one. So how do I get one? And it's a painful process. And then I ask, how many people do you, or how many CDs have you done? Uh, how many albums have you made? And they say, oh, maybe I've, I've put out about 10 EPs in the last 10 years. Oh, okay. So how many do those do you sell? He goes, oh, I don't know. Might sell might sell five or 10, might sell five or 10 um, every couple of weeks. Oops, hang on. Everything's gone, taken over. Everything's connected. Um, they might, they might uh, sell five or 10 CDs or 100 CDs out of the 10 yep. that they create. And I'm like, okay, so how many people have you played in front of? 
Like you're playing here in front of 200 people that have all come and paid money to see you play. And oh, I might have played in front of 10,000 people at this point. They don't get the picture of these guys. They might have played in front of 10,000 people at this point. I'm like, well, how come you're not selling? Because I don't know. So my suggestion would simply be, all right, so when you're doing a live show, I don't know if dudes are taking me up on this and, and doing it. This is what I do at live events when I'm playing on the drums. I normally have the mic. I'm the guy that introduces the band. You know, we don't have a singer in our band, so I'm, I'm kind of the, 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 the introduction kind of guy. And I will say to the audience, usually we are recording that event. Whether it's 20 people in a club or 5,000 people on a big stage at a festival, I will say... Ladies, guys, we're recording this show today and we'd love to have your loud vocal screams on it. So scream and they scream, right? And then we say, just, yeah. just jump Again, on. Again, leveraging, leveraging the social media. So, yeah, taking the audience that yep. you have there, transferring yep. onto, you know, whatever it is, Facebook Live, um, and then, yeah, getting out to, because that helps to, to, to build the audience because your own students, and this is kind of the, the thing that I often say, is that your own students are your loyal fans and they'll be the first ones to watch anything that you do live. And by, yep. you know, what you're doing is you're keeping yourself top of mind. So when they see you, oh, it's on Facebook, oh, that was my teacher, oh, great. I better go and do some practice. It inspires them um, because yep. Yep. you're now top of mind rather than something else that, that's, that's, you know, number one on Facebook. So, yeah, I think it's also yep. competing for the, the time people have because it's, these days, yeah. it really is, if, if there's any competition, it's not the guitar teacher down the road or the drum teacher down the road. It's everything else. It's just mm. people's pure yeah. you know, news, uh, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. It's all competing. So, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah it's insane. And like the, so if you've got 10,000 people or 5,000 people watching you and you've just said, hey, you're going to be on our recording, grab it for free because you're at this event. Grab it for free. Jump onto the website.com chuck in your email and we'll send it to you. So instantly you've got some database of people that actually give a shit about your music. They're interested to, to hear it again with themselves on it. That becomes part of your fan base, which is now you go back to, I was watching a, a documentary earlier um, on uh, dragon, you know, April sun in Cuba. Yep. And they had a, they had a fan management team who were writing and responding to letters, you know, these stupid things. Yep. Like that's how it was back then. Now it's that's so easy, so much easier. Like you can get ten thousand people to visit a website in one second. They can all put in their email address, and instantly you have a connection to everyone that's interested in your music. And whether you do another show in the next week, month, or year, or have any kind of thing, you let them know that you're doing stuff. They're already interested. And if you've got ten thousand people that you've built over time, half of them might buy a record. You kind of build. You need to build the business. And I've always said if if you're, the, if you're the best musician in the world and nobody knows about you, are you the best musician in the world? Exactly. You're just a great user, right? So the there's a whole... Sound of one hand clapping. Yes. You, you, gotta, you can write the best thing. song in your room. You take off, you take off your music, the music writing hat, throw that in the corner. You need to put on a business hat. And that's what I love. I love. I've played with businesses for years. My very first business that I started was when I was in primary school creating stress balls. And I've talked about this in my podcast. So, you know, the squeezy stress balls is a bit of rice and a balloon. Um, and the school actually funded me. They were my seed investors because they bought me balloons and they bought me the rice because I was a disruptive kid 
and my ADHD back then is probably as good as it is now. And they would go, right, Pete, make me some more of those things. And I was selling them to the other teachers. So I was creating the problem and then selling them the solution. <laughs> and I was selling these things for a couple of bucks each. And Classic, classic consumerism. And, oh, man, you know, and, and that was where I went, all right, cool. And then I started making business cards. We, I think our family was one of the most... Uh, one of the first families in the street or anyone that I knew that had a real cool, good computer. My dad had a great income with his business and we had a really good computer at home and we just did stuff on it like you would not believe. And I created business cards and I loved, we had this really fancy, expensive printer that we bought specifically for me to do business, businessy stuff on like creating custom notepads and we were just doing like really fancy color printing and all this spiral stuff with, I was drilling holes in paper in the shed and winding wire through Back in yep. 1989, when I was nine years old, and I was doing that. So, all so my you're, you're an entrepreneur, you know, way back, I'd, basically. I'd, yeah, yeah like at that point, and still is at this point. I don't even know if that's. I know that's the word, and everyone uses the word, and that's the true meaning of what I do. But I just wanted to make some money, and I liked helping people, and I liked doing stuff and keeping busy. Yep. And I know right now, if 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 I needed to go make a quick buck, I could go and make a quick buck. And I feel happy that I know how to make money and I've figured it out from a long time ago and doing stuff that was bad and overcapitalizing and spending money on shit I shouldn't have spent money on, losing money, then have to go make money somewhere else to pay for the debt that I've created trying to make money somewhere else. So I've learned all this stuff and I've had struggles and I've been, you know, burnt so many times. But I can do this, right? When there's when this this happening, you can put it out and you can light it again. As long as you've got these things, if you don't have these, which you run is, out, we'll, you can go get matches are ideas, right? They're ideas. So yeah, you keep. They are. Yeah, man. Just takes and an idea. All, and look, look, love the metaphors. It sparks. Yeah. Look, it's oh, look, there's another idea, and it doesn't yeah. take long for the idea to fizzle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you don't, like the. Fire, I, I, I totally relate because one of the things that that I see a lot. Uh, of people who are sort of, you know, victim mentality of, uh, you know, there's no work, there's there's no business, you know, the, the economy is this, that, that and the other, uh, yet you can take someone who's, you know, often comes from another country, right, and they've come from where there is true poverty, there is true lack of opportunity, and then they come to a country like Australia or America or UK, whatever, and they just say, you've got to be joking. There's, there's so much opportunity here. Um, and that's why a lot of people don't know this statistic, but uh, in, in the US, uh, it, you're actually something 10 times more likely to become a self-made millionaire if you're an immigrant than if you were born in the country. Um, and that's because okay. the, the, their mindset, the, the view that they see is very different. And that's what we're talking about here. What we're sharing is the entrepreneurial view. And when I see teachers who say to me, oh, I, don't, I don't have any students, I don't know how to get any students, I don't know how to make my business grow, it's just... It's just you don't have the entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, there's opportunity all around you. Uh, so, yeah. Yep. It starts with zero. Everybody starts with zero. Everybody starts with zero. Some people hit zero a number of times. Some people never leave zero. Yep. And they're cool it all, with that. And it all Some comes from ideas. Leave. Yeah, it all comes yep. from ideas. Yep. Um, you know, just on that thing, which is something just I'd like to quickly share that you reminded me of, is that, that you know, I go to restaurants or, you know, often, you know, every every week or every second week, I go to a restaurant, not every day, but, you know, probably once a, once a week, I um, go to a restaurant. And 
and almost never do they ask me for my email address. Never. Mm. Like it's just it's yeah. just crazy. Why don't you ask for my email address? And why don't you then yeah. send me your lunch specials or yeah. your dinner specials next week or some event you've got coming up? You know, yeah. you, or even if you just exchange it, you say, "Look, we'll give you a free dessert if you give us your email address." If you join our mail yeah. list, like emails are so crucial, man. Emails they are, don't, are they, they don't do it. You know, and and so I'm talking about restaurants. Uh, who, let's relate you know, that to music. That, let's relate, yeah, music. Let's relate that to music. I have a perfect example for you. I was uh, put a show on at the Fringe in 2013 here in Adelaide. There was three drummers: uh, Pete Drummond, Darren Frugia, and and Dro Toronto um, from. Um, interstate so we brought them in we called it the drummers hat trick there was three drummers on the stage all at once so they come out individually and did their thing then they'll come out the end did this massive show sold out two two shows in one night and that was all we did and when i started hooking up the fringe stuff i found out after i'd signed and paid my money to put on this event during the fringe season that we didn't get access to the names and numbers uh, sorry emails of the attendees I'm like, but what do you mean? I've brought them into your fold. Why don't I? He goes, no, that's just not how it works. So I'm like, well, that's all right. I'll fix that on the night. And the way I fixed it was quite easy. We have a fucking door prize. <laughs> you write your email and your phone number on a piece of paper in a drum. Yep. Voila. And we're going to verify it by sending an email and a phone call to make sure you're, you know, you're on the list. And we do the door prize after we send it to you, right? So we can... If they don't put the right shit down, they don't get the thing. So we clean that. That a couple of people put some bogus addresses and whatever. And I was telling someone else that uh, oh, you know, you can't get. No, someone said to me, you know, you can't get their um their emails from. I'm like, yeah, man, that's that's fine. I've got other ways to do it. He goes, well, how do you do that? I said, well, what do you mean? How do you do that? Because he had a show that had five thousand people go through the door, it, like complete five different nights, heaps of people at each night. It was just a huge event. I was like, how do you do that? I was like, you're kidding me? Well, what do you mean? I'm like, I didn't even give him the answer. I'm like, come on, man. And he's done this a million times. He's a promoter putting on his own show. I'm like, fuck, man, I'm just a drummer. He went, I need to keep this audience because I do this stuff for a lot. I put on drum workshops. And if I'm going to put on another drum workshop, I need to keep my list close to my heart and invite these people to come and see something that they've already paid for and liked before. So every other show that we've done with either of those three guys, we do the bailout to those people. Even when we have like Pete Drummond plays in Dragon. He's a good friend of mine. I'm doing a podcast with him next week as well. He's a great educator, man. You'll check out that podcast. He's actually going to be featured in the book that I'm writing. Um, yep. he, um, he's got a whole section to go in that book. He, uh, he comes to Adelaide, does a show with Dragon or Thirsty Merc or whoever, and the next day he usually hangs around for a while. We go and have I'll organize a few lessons for him because uh, he's getting paid to be here. He's getting paid for his flights. And if he can make a few extra bucks while he's here, I'm happy to help him do that. He's a great guy, helps me promote my brand. Uh, and I literally sent an email out to everybody who's seen him play and say, hey, if you or anyone you know is interested in having a lesson with this gun, click here, straight to Eventbrite. They buy a ticket, they buy a time, it's locked in. And every time they're here without fail, I'll make an extra couple hundred bucks just from having that list. Yep. Fantastic. It's not hard. Fantastic. It's not brain science. It's not rocket surgery. <laughs> it, it, no, it's, it, it's, it's, it's not hard. It's, it's, it, you know, there are, there's an example that I heard and I haven't even done it myself, but there's an example where you can use Facebook target marketing 
Otago, yeah. a local area, like really move in. And so, for instance, if there's a, a big drum clinic going on that you were talking about there, you don't even have to be involved in it. You can actually run a Facebook yeah. campaign over that area where there'll be a lot of drummers, right? And yeah. then you could be having a clinic next week or you could be doing, you know, something for drummers or be a drum shop and just yeah. advertise where you're going to have, you know, probably, you know, if there's 5,000 people turning up, you could probably bet, you know, if it's a drum clinic style thing, there's probably bet 80% of them are drummers. So you can yeah. have a drummer's sale, 50% off everything yeah. uh, starts tomorrow for, for, for 24 hours just yeah. to see how it works, you know. Um, and, yeah, it's very powerful once you, you know how to, use these different marketing platforms yeah. so Facebook Fantastic. is amazing and obviously um, snapchat is something that I use quite a bit I want to get a lot more involved in in the promotional side of what snapchat has to offer but what you can do with snapchat let's just say the international guitar festival is on in Adelaide I've been to that yep. and people that love guitar go to these things whether they're already teaching whether they're a student wanting to teach a student already having lessons or whether they want to have lessons what you would do, Mr. David Hart from G4 Guitars, is you would do a perimeter around the area. So, and and if G4, not G4, if um, Guitar uh, Guitar Festival promoted something on Snapchat or Instagram, you can create a filter. So when people, if they, I know what I do when I do events, it costs me like four dollars to have like a thousand people um, click on. Uh, I, I, if a thousand people click on a filter that I've created for a certain radius, it cost me like three bucks. So if there's an event happening that you're not sponsoring, you're not involved in at all, there's nothing wrong with you creating a filter that when someone goes to Snapchat and they do a photo, let's do a selfie while we're at it. You and me. All right, here we go. All right, so you can do that. And then you, you, you through your filters. Yep. So there's... Like Adelaide have one, of course. There isn't the filter. Adelaide, Adelaide. There's no, there's no branding filters there right now. There's just a, a altitude and whatever. But where that yep. filter is, like you can have your own G4 guitar filter on there. Right, right. While the International Guitar Festival is happening, and you can have whatever you want on that. Like you can create that with the phone number, um, the web address, whatever. Yep. And that would cost you like three three bucks for a thousand people that actually used it. So that won't cost, uh, if G4 was there now, if I don't use it, it doesn't cost you anything. So check that out, man. There's, there's a heap of stuff. Excellent there's tip. A heap Excellent of stuff tip. Yeah. There's, there's heaps of stuff you can do, man. Even like promoting your own fucking band at the big day out. <laughs> Everyone's yep, there watching that. Exactly. Band. Exactly. Get a, get a you know, free copy of our CD, download a, our latest song or whatever. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's leveraging again and it's leveraging all these tools. And as you say... Uh, you know, there's so much going on. I'm going to be speaking to um, a guy named Damien Keys in the UK uh, mm -hmm. next week, and he's he basically he's doing really really well. Uh, but he he promotes bands. He's a, a promoter basically, and uh, yeah, he he he's really talking about you know his whole message is that musicians there's never been a better time to be a musician, and, and because you don't need record companies anymore, you don't need you know these big players to to do it for you anyone can do it everyone gets it's it's almost like the it's a level playing field today so yeah everyone's got a shot at it yeah yeah totally and the the way it was 10 15 years ago was your music has to be great you had to do the hard work and create fans and then you might get some love unfortunately 
the way it could work these days is if you just get a lot of fans, that could see you rise to stardom. But I think that's okay because the, the good people fizzle out. I mean, the, the, the shit people fizzle out. The good people hang on. Yep. It doesn't become a fad. So the, if you're... The, the cream you're rises creating, to the top eventually, yeah. yeah. You got it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's it, man. So, well, I think the energy of this conversation is great. Um, and oh, I oh, what, what I want to do before we run out of time, <laughs> because oh, I just want to ask you about the software that you're developing, because I know this is a kind of a very, uh, you know, big project for you. Um, and it's called SAMI, S-A-M-I-I, is that correct? Correct. A student Administration Management Interactive Intelligence is what SAMI is the acronym for. Okay. Um, yeah, just give us a bit of a rundown. Sammy is, yeah, Sammy is something that I've been working on for probably five years, honestly. I started building systems five years ago to manage my organisation, which is ETI Music, Education Through Inspiration. We run music education around Australia and particularly here in Adelaide with up to 900 students a week with about 20 teachers. You know how that fun that is, managing yep. that enrolments process and my job was my my job and my team's job was to make sure that when people enrolled they were looked after and there was a process in making sure they were either paying per week or paying direct debit and sorry paying it started with them paying the teacher man it started with them taking money to the teacher and there was a, um, a payment manager on each site we have multiple venues and that the, one of those teachers would take all the money from the other teachers and then pay them there and then and keep the rest and then pay me once a month. That was fucked. That was so shit. And we tried to <laughs> fix out how paperwork and like it was just bad. And then we figured out we got four grand sitting in someone's house over the weekend until I got to them on the Monday. And I'm like, nah, it's just not on. And so we fixed all that. Five years on, we've, we've put all of our um, heads together, myself and a really good team um, that, are, that are building this thing. So Sammy's job, Sammy, let's, let's assume that Sammy is an avatar or, a, or Sammy is a 3D model yep. of Sammy, my Iron Man, my Tony Stark. So Sammy is literally a virtual assistant that's going to help you manage your music education business. When I say help you manage it, Sammy will be the go-to guy for your students' enrolments, your parents' questions. Um, it will filter out. Uh, phone calls that come through to you while you are teaching and take care of those and give the give you the messages after you're teaching. Sammy knows your schedule. Sammy knows where you are. It's very stalkerish. Sammy is a mobile solution, so it's mobile first. But it's not a platform where you have to go to it like a Google Calendar and look at, you know, when's my next lesson. Sammy, Sammy will give you the information you need when you need it. Sammy will pop up on your screen one minute past five when little Johnny's lesson is about to start. And yep. ask if little Johnny was there. And you simply say yes or no. And if he's not there, he'll ask you again in five minutes. Or he'll ask you to do that video thing or many other options. You don't have to worry about doing a checklist. You don't have to reconcile paper. You don't, and, and the payment thing, man, taking money at lessons is probably the worst thing. Having a conversation, awkward conversation about money with, an with a student is just horrible. And it's not about, then it becomes a fee per Lesson, I've paid you 30 bucks. I need to make sure I've got $30 worth of value in this 30-minute lesson. And when it's, when it's non-transactional, when the money happens outside of the learning space, you're more relating to the long-term 
marathon mm. of the learning, not the week by week sprint. Um, and I've got this like massive thing Uber, about taking money. The taxi business, you, you always pay the taxi driver where with Uber, there's no money. No, Uber's no the, everything's yeah. Uber of everything's the Uber of everything at the moment, and we try not to be in that basket, but it's just taking something that's not clearly defined. Mm. I can quite easily sit with any educator and say, get easy debit. That'll take your direct debit process to a whole new level, and it'll cost you about a dollar a lesson. Um, you can use Google Calendar and send scheduled reminders out via SMS to your students. You can do bulk SMSs via SMS broadcast to your students via events or for events or lesson cancellations. There's so many systems that you can use, but none of these things talk to each other. Yeah. Sammy is all of those things in one platform. So Sammy is, is the biggest thing that I've ever worked on in my life. The guys that are building this thing have built things like PayPal Australia, Yahoo Australia, Chanel, our CTO, our Chief Technical Officer, he, uh, he created the back end and the brains behind flybys. If you're listening in Australia, you know that's a pretty big loyalty program that's pretty yeah. massive. So he's the brains behind that working. So he's on our team. He's part of our developer and he's, he's also an equity holder in the business and he's seen the value in what it has to offer. There's a whole heap of stuff that it does that I'm not even going to mention and I won't mention until the thing is out. We're crowdfunding very soon, and uh, you'll see. When, that when do you hope to have it available, like for people to <laughs> access it? It's literally a money thing, man. Like building something like this is not cheap. We're not doing it here in our back sheds. I'm I can't bootstrap this because I don't know how to code the way this thing needs to be coded. So we have to pay people to do it. Yeah. Um, and it's literally a money thing. Like it's where I'm pitching at a few events uh, to angel investors. We've received a lot of capital to this point to get us to this point. Uh, it's not a cheap feat. And pe you know, people can find it on Kickstarter, Kickstarter, correct? They can find it on Kickstarter. They will eventually. It's not there. They can go to sammy.com.au right now. Okay. Um, yep. Chuck your name on the list. Give me your email address. Let's keep chatting about it. If you're an educator and you're interested in streamlining your business so you can actually get back to what you love doing, which is teaching, yep. then jump on sammy.com.au, S-A-M-I-I.com.au. Chuck your name in the list. Nothing's there for you to buy. There's no money. There's nothing right now. We're just building this concept. It's ready just, to go. Just like keep, keep in the loop. Keep keep learning. Yeah. Keep in the yeah. loop. And you know, eventually this thing will be ready for you guys. It won't be out any time in the next few months. Definitely this year. So it's happening. It's five years in the making. It's you know the fetus is growing. It's about to be born. Um, we've had some great it, conversations. It's, it's, it is the thing. It is the big thing that. Uh, you know, music teachers, because I, I think a lot of music teachers even uh, you know, falsely believe, unfortunately, that they they don't have that much admin. In other words, it's not worth paying for for an application or a program, or or they they just think, well, I've got thirty students, you know, or it doesn't take that long to sort of manage it. But it's it's because they don't track it, and and that's what I found is a big a big mistake that they often make is they're not actually tracking the time. Yeah. They spend doing all these little things. This minute here, this minute here, it all adds up. And so when you say, you know, when a music teacher says to me, oh, you know, I earn, you know, $60, $70 an hour, um, I say, do you really? Are you sure? Uh, and they're all, how many hours you well, work? well, how many hours do you really work on your business? And when they look yeah. at it closely, they realize that they're actually working twice as many hours, that the same amount of hours as they're teaching, they do again yeah. in various roles. And yeah, so they're actually earning half of yeah. what they think they're earning, and that doesn't even take tax yeah. into account. 
Dude, we're just trying to professionalize the industry. The industry is massive. The music education industry globally is a massive. In America, the um, I'm on the Music Teachers Association here in, in SA and we've got some really good information on on types of musicians that there are, types of educators. We did a, our, own, our own independent survey in 2015 that gave us a lot of good content on, on how Sammy should be built. Uh, we've run focus groups. So in America, the music, the American Music Teachers Association, which you'd think would be quite prestigious, quite big, only have 100,000 members. So if we use only those 100,000 members, that equates to a $2.8 billion a year business, only using the 100,000 as you know, that money provider. Let's not kid ourselves. There's millions of music educators in the States. And we oh, haven't even, yeah. you know, yeah. And they, yeah, that, that would be so we've started conversations with Berkeley. Yeah, yeah well, totally. We've started conversations with Berkeley uh, University and they don't do much in the way of, all right, you've finished your degree, you're a great musician. Here is, here is how you can effectively get an ROI, get some money back for, and my time back for the money, you've, the, the process you've just gone through. So Sammy is, is going to be, we know, I know, and I'm, I built this thing for myself. I've scratched my own itch here. Like if I'm the only person that uses this, I've used the prototype version that we've got. Here's an example of what it had to do for me the other day. I couldn't teach at a particular location because of a bomb threat. Um, a hoax bomb threat, but nonetheless, I couldn't teach there because it was in shutdown. So what I had to do, what I would, let's go back to not using Sammy. What I would have had to do within minutes of the first lesson happening was to go through them all, send a message, um, let them know that it's not happening. Hopefully they get the message in time. But what I did do was select the location that I was teaching at through our message service center, message center that Sammy has built into its platform, select the location, which automatically puts every single, edu every single student's number, um, email, and push notification so we can send to all three instantly. I write a quick little message, let them know that the lesson time, the lesson location had changed to a different venue just down the road which I already had lined up because I was a good friend of mine, had some space in another venue. Literally pushed three buttons on my phone and that was it. I knew that they received it. They responded because I said in the message, let me know that you've got this. Yep, brilliant. Um, uh, sorry, oh, good. I'm, I've just got to, yeah, got to wrap up in a minute because, um, yeah, we've kind of run out of time. But um, look, yeah. Sammy, yeah, from what I've heard so far, it sounds really, really good and, and anyone is interested I'm, in really excited. check you out. Um, so just just to yeah. just to finish off, um, what's what's uh, next for you? What, what what is your next big project? Is there anything coming up to Sammy? Is there anything else that you're looking at, or is it just from this point on? Is that world domination? On? I love world domination. World domination. Cool. Well, I, I'd love to work with as many music teachers as I can, and yep. to help them professionalise their business, not just by using Sammy, but having a brand, like having a teaching brand. Like not, not running a school, not having, you know, big banner ads everywhere and doing whatever, but just being a brand and having a personality as a music educator. Um, yeah. So that, that's what I love to do. And they like working, working with uh, yeah, music, musicians generally, teachers or generally musicians. I find the best, the, the best music educators, the ones that weren't educators until they, until they started teaching. And musicians, like they're great communicators, 
yeah. and they've got the talent, they've learned the talent, you can't be a music teacher unless you're a musician. So if I go to the musician and they're great, they're talented, they're, they're, yeah. they're good at communicating, I'm like, what do you do for a living? Oh, I fucking hate it, I work at Coles. I'm like, well, why the hell would you do that? You're a great music. Well, what else can I do? I'm like, have you thought about trying to show someone how you do your stuff? They're like, well, I don't have the credentials to be a teacher. I'm like, what credentials do you need? You got them all. So work them through a process, work them through a path where they can become a great teacher. And eventually, you know, G4 is the place that they need to be because you only put on great teachers. Yep, exactly, yeah. We, we focus on, and, and look, they don't always start off that way, but yeah, it's all about developing because the, the whole reason, and, and I think we're very much in the same boat here, is the whole reason we do what we do is because when I started out teaching, I had really no uh, guidance. There were no, there weren't, there weren't really... Uh, you know, there were, certainly weren't guitar teacher mentors or franchises or anything like that. You basically had to learn everything yourself. Uh, and I kind of, you know, I, I don't regret any of that time, but if I had had someone sort of, you know, hand-holding me through those early years, I would have certainly made a lot less mistakes and would have, would have got there a lot yeah. faster. So, yeah, that's what it's about. Yeah. I mean, you, what I find, and, and, you know, you're a great example of this, is that the those people who seem to be doing the best in this industry, the ones who I come across who are, are really, really up there. There's no doubt that they have they usually have mentors. Uh, they're they're not afraid to invest in their own education, and they're not afraid to um, ask questions and ask for help. Um, they're not trying to do everything themselves. You know, 99.9 percent .9 of what I do came from someone else. I, I have very few original ideas. Most of the yeah. stuff that I, uh, you know, know and do is I've either read it in a book, I've learned it at a seminar, or I've you know. Yeah learn it through mistakes um, and I prefer yeah. not to do the latter <laughs> prefer to actually yeah, yeah, learn yeah. before I make the mistake um, so yeah. yeah so that's where the mentor is really yeah, yeah beneficial right. so. totally totally yeah um, totally. We, we've got to wrap up um, so right. Uh, yeah, if we, we need to do a part two of this sometime, this is—I yeah. feel like we're only just warming up here. Um, so, uh, look, in a couple of months, let's let's have another one and um, and and go from there. Yeah, yeah. Well, as soon as Sammy becomes something that's crowdfunding, I will be on—you know—letting everybody know that it's it's going to need a little bit of help from a lot of people, and and that will help everybody ultimately. Dave, thank you so much for asking me to be on your your podcast, mate. I'm really looking forward to uh, to working with you again. I know we've got our mastermind meeting coming up. Um, we have, yes, we have, it doesn't go public that one. Sorry, guys, but yeah, it's a yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an in-house thing. Yeah, some of the smartest ones in the business. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks again, Pete, and um, I'll put your website details in the bottom of this as well. Um, so if anyone wants to to check out Pete, uh, yeah, just click on the link below of this video. Thanks again, uh, and uh, well, I'll see you guys next right. week for the next one. Thanks, Dave. We hope you enjoyed Pete's podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share with anyone you think will get value. And if you haven't already, head to PeteBarter.com for more Pete Barter content. And remember, do something good for yourself and someone else today. Thanks for listening.